You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. Inflation, of course, has been a big fallout from this shutdown, and it remains stubborn. Government data on Tuesday showed the prices continued to rise in February. The Fed, trying to slow the economy gradually to curb inflation, has been raising rates at one of the fastest rates in decades, pulling back on so-called easy money policies. Supply chain has been slow to recover. The unemployment rate is super low, 3.6%. But millions dropped out of the workforce. Labor force participation rate is well off pre-pandemic highs, and we have a labor shortage because of our strict immigration policies in this country. (laughs) Okay, I had to put that in in here. We have a labor shortage because of our strict immigration policies in this country. You know, he had me. It's like he had me at hello. He was talking about the pretty words, stubborn, inflation, you know, these kind of weird words. And then he goes, we've got a labor shortage because of our strict immigration policies. It is the Martha Zoller Show. We have so much to talk about today. It's a Monday. I've had just enough sleep deprivation to be edgy. So we're going to have some fun there. You can join us on the phones at 770-535-2911. Now, here's what I'll tell you about immigration, just to make people mad right off the bat. He does, and that's the guy from Meet the Press, he does have a point that on the legal immigration side, uh, we have made it so difficult for people to immigrate. But it's not so much the immigration, it's the converting to permanent status. For example, H-1B and H-1A visa holders, maybe they're going to come here and they're going to stay and they want to move their family here. It ought to be a no-brainer to move them to a green card, but it doesn't happen that way. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, you've got people like, and I know this is my own personal situation, but I had a young lady that was an intern for me about 12 years ago who was from Rwanda. She was an actual survivor of the Rwandan genocide. She and her sister and her father happened to be out of the country when her mother and her brothers were taken and killed. So they're actual Rwanda genocide survivors which should be an actual asylum claim, not just somebody coming across the border and saying they don't like where they came from from anymore. So um, she came here, went to Bernal, went to graduate school. Her sister lives here, which is her only living relative now. Her sister lives here, is a U.S. citizen, and is an accountant here in Atlanta. She can't come over. She can't get a visa. I mean, if we if we can't get a visa for someone who's been educated here, who is an actual survivor of a genocide, who is an actual person who uh, had and needed asylum, then who who can get in there? And I granted that's one case, but there's a million cases like that, especially in the H-1B visa world. So. It's not because of our strict immigration laws that we have a labor shortage. It's because people don't want to go back to work. And we've got a whole class of people who think that they should determine the terms of their employment, not their employer. And I know I'm speaking as a person who owns a business, but bottom line, it's a problem. 
And we've got this banking crisis that we're trying to deal with that, uh, you know, they they trumped out all the people yesterday. I used Trump in it on purpose. They trumped out all the people yesterday to talk about what a great job Joe Biden was doing on the banking crisis. But but here's what you need to do, President Biden, if you want to get inflation under control, people start feeling more comfortable about the banks and and people just feel better about America. Here's what you need to do. You need to stop spending. You need to put a budget out on time. There's still time to do that, which he's got his budget, but he doesn't have, you know, there's there's no reflection of how you're going to pay for it. Okay. We've got to allow the regular budget order to happen with committee hearings and debates and all of those things. And we need to go back to the 2019 budget. Yes, I'm embracing a Rand Paul idea because it's the good one. We need to go back to the 2019 budget. And then we can actually not spend more than we take in. And then, yes, to all of you people who are listening out there who are 65 and older, your Social Security and Medicare benefits will not change. Well, your Social Security benefits won't change. If they change Medicare, your Medicare benefits will change. Okay? But we've got to have everything on the table and look at waste, fraud, and abuse. I've been helping my in-laws quite a bit over the last um, few weeks, months. Seems like more than that. But we've been helping them. You know what I've learned They have a supplemental plan that is a Medicare supplemental plan. Every time they go to the doctor, they get a gift card back. They get a $50 to $500 gift card back. They've made several thousand dollars in the last year off of their supplemental plan. Now, granted, I don't begrudge them making money, but let me ask you this question. These supplemental plans have to contract with Medicare, which means they're getting some sort of payment from Medicare. If they can afford to give the people who are paying premiums more than their premiums back, how much are they getting paid from Medicare? You know, if it's it's a lot. I asked someone who who is high up in the uh, CMS rung of ladders and won't go on the record his answer to me was a lot okay so there is clearly things that could be done with the medicare system that would not affect how hospitals and providers and all that are being paid but would be more efficient we have a patchwork quilt when it comes to medicare and we need to be more efficient and save money that way i don't want to hurt old people I'm betting getting ready to be one. I'm pretty close to it myself. I can see it from where I am, okay? But I still don't want to have a bunch of waste because I want it to be there when my kids are there and when their kids are there. I have kids in there that are 40 or close to it that have been paying Medicare and Social Security taxes for close to 20 years. I want it to be there for them too. And you got people marching in the street in France Because they raised the retirement age from 62 to 64. And granted, I understand it was 55 about 10 years ago. So they've done a pretty quick climb, you know, from 55 to 64. But who in the world thought you could retire at 55? Come on. I know that was in the old days when people were living to be 65. You retired at 55. 
But most people are going to live to be 80 years old. And and it was not designed to be a system that supported you for 20, 30, 40 years. It wasn't designed that way. That's why we need to fix it. Let's go to the phones and talk to Joe in LJ. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Uh, Martha, great show. As, as my friend Steve Moore tells me every time I talk to him, we've got to cut spending. Of course, Biden has done, the Democrats do the opposite of that. But I want to tell you, the main reason I called you, I think if they indict Trump, I think he's going to win with the landslide anyway. But if I think if they indict him and everybody says it's an unfair deal, I think Trump will win with the biggest landslide in history. And I think American people are fed up with the Democrats spending, taxing, uh, and I hope I'm right. But anyway, you got a great show. Keep keep on keeping on. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. And look, I get that the biggest chunk of support that Donald Trump has is uh, with older people. I mean, Joe's in his 80s. I don't think he minds me saying that. I talked to a friend of mine out in California who's 95 yesterday, and she really wants to see Trump come back. I I know that Trump is polling great, and I will accept who the party nominates as their nominee. But I think we need to have a debate. Today, Nikki Haley is in Georgia. We're gonna we're hoping she might call. We've been told she doesn't have enough time that she's meeting with you know, she's doing fundraisers. That's what you do this at this point in the campaign. You gotta get money to be able to run your operation. So if she gets time to call, she'll call. If not, she'll be calling in sometime soon. They're putting the full court press on me to get me to endorse. But I'm not endorsing uh, at this point in a presidential primary. I'm not saying I'm not going to. But it's too early. I don't know who's going to be in. It's too early. There is not somebody out there that I love so much that I would put my name next to theirs this early. Because I want to know who's getting in the race. And, you know, I kind of love the underdog. And um, Tim Scott is really the underdog. And he he doesn't add up in any other way except that he has this positive, forward-thinking message. He's got good and new ideas. And he's inspiring People say that means he ought to be vice president. I don't know how it's going to end up. But I am wishing, hoping, waiting for him to come forward and talk about what his vision is for being president. Because what's different about Tim Scott is not that he's a black man from the South. What's different about Tim Scott is his attitude and the way he looks at things and the way he he leads people and the way he motivates people. That's what's different about Tim Scott. Everybody wants to look at, you know, how people look on the outside. That's not what I care about. I care about what's in their head and in their heart and how they lead people because leaders don't do all the work themselves. Leaders let you know that you can do it. They give you the feeling to go out and do it. So that's one of those things. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Aaron Day is joining me right now. He is running for president of the Republican nomination. Uh, He's from New Hampshire, which may give him a leg up in the New Hampshire primary, but we're going to talk to him today and find out about that. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing well, Martha. Thank you for having me. Now, you ran for governor, right, in 2018? I did. So so did. tell us about that process. What did you learn from that? 
Well, actually, I ran for U.S. Senate in 2016, so that that was actually more of an interesting process in and of itself. Uh, but that was more of a, more of a protest vote. Uh, but I've learned quite a bit in New Hampshire. I've been involved in in politics here for over a decade. Usually, in the past, it's been is recruiting candidates and running packs and trying to get other people elected. But um, in 2016, I decided I needed to get into into the race. And now, in as we head into 2024, <clears throat> in part because of the issues surrounding the medical tyranny and COVID. And also related to this banking and financial crisis, I decided to, to get into the race to promote alternatives for sound money and health freedom. So tell us what, you know, tell us first about you. Let folks know who you are. And really, you've got the issues that drove you to, to do this. But what are some of the other reasons you're running for office? Well, some of the other reasons. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I actually started my first company when I was 19 and grew grew it uh, successfully. We had a peak, a couple hundred employees. Uh, and then I started another company in t- 2004 that was related to healthcare, trying to help tackle the obesity epidemic. And it was a very successful company, uh, profitable clients in 43 states, but it was torn apart by Obamacare and Dodd-Frank. And so, you know, I like to say hell hath no fury like an entrepreneur of scorn. So seeing the government take apart and dismantle a successful business really got me motivated and actively engaged in politics. So I started out getting involved with the Tea Party. I moved to New Hampshire and have been involved with activism on a variety of fronts in New Hampshire I'm involved with a group called the Free State Project, which is a movement to get 20,000 people to move to New Hampshire to promote liberty in our lifetimes. I've been involved with the Republican Liberty Caucus and a number of other organizations that were actively involved in recruiting and getting candidates elected. You but know, what you're... really motivated... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, please. I would say what, what motivated me specifically to get into this race was simply what happened in 2020. I have uh, 12-year-old twins and just this whole medical tyranny around COVID. You know, going to my daughter's dance recital, which was held outdoors in the winter and watching kids dance outside with masks on, the whole situation with the vaccines, which are turning out to be disastrous. The fact that we printed 40% of the dollars that have ever been in existence in 2020. This was, and again, this was all under Trump. So what was disappointing about this as a Liberty Republican was the fact that without question, I can say the least amount of freedom I have ever experienced in my life was 2020 under a Republican president and in my state of New Hampshire with a Republican governor, Chris Sununu. And so that, so as I look at the arc of where we're going in terms of freedom and liberty, my kids have less opportunity than I had at their age. And so that's what really prompted me to step in because I don't see any of the Republicans effectively addressing either the medical tyranny issue or, frankly, the impending financial crisis, which we're not going to get out of. I mean, I, I think this financial situation is going to go from bad to worse because of decades of poor 
uh, monetary and fiscal policy. Well, you know, it's funny because your the, your story about your business um, reminds me of when Medicare was instituted because prior to Medicare being instituted, there was actually a really good system in place of um, kind of medical uh, coalitions, collaborations that doctors had and others where they were providing healthcare and they were contracting with people kind of on their own and developing these healthcare networks that were working really well. And the advent of Medicare kind of destroyed all of that. And so that innovation stopped. And I would argue we haven't had a free market in healthcare since Medicare came along. I'd agree with that 100%. In fact, I mean, in New Hampshire, uh, and I think this is true across the country, um, we the Republicans it, it implemented Obamacare Medicaid expansion. So if you look at the VA, Medicare, Medicaid, and expanded Medicaid, over 50% uh, of overall health care expenditures in the state are, are covered by the federal government. And so, so we're at that point now, at that critical point where, yeah, nationally, over half of healthcare costs are covered by the federal government. That stifles innovation and has created a, a really serious issue, which we saw with the COVID situation, where if the government is completely essentially in control of healthcare, then if they decide, oh, well, you, don't, you don't take the vaccine, you don't get medical care. And we're moving perilously close to the situation that they have in China, where you have a central bank digital currency, and a social credit score system where your access to health care, your access to services is tied, and your access to money is tied to whether or not you are complying with the behavior the state wants you to have. Well, we're building those systems in the United States. As we march closer to single payer, that's more centralized control. With what's going on with the financial crisis, we are clearly moving to central bank digital currency in the United States. There's already a pilot program launched. And once central bank digital currency is in place, your money can be censored instantly at any time uh, at the, with the click of a button. And with what we've seen with the Canadian truckers and certain gun groups and religious groups in the United States, we already know banks today have taken action to suppress people's bank accounts if they don't agree with their political positions. But this is going to become completely prevalent if we don't kind of halt that expansion. Yeah, I tell you what, I think you have a lot of good ideas, Aaron. Um, you know it's going to be a long shot for uh, a candidate like you. But I think, and I don't mean that in any other way than it's just like you got to be able to raise a billion dollars and you're going to have to be able to get things out there. But I think we need voices like yours that are talking sense about about how to make changes because, you know, it's really, really simple. We've got processes in place that if people would follow them, we'd be in a better shape than, than where we'd be. I mean, even Rand Paul said, hey, all we got to do is go back to the 2019 budget. Go back to the 2019 budget and start back from there before COVID, and we could actually balance the budget this year. We wouldn't get rid of much date, debt, but we would at least balance the budget. There are good ideas out there. Well, the first of my campaign is that it's all about what we, the people, can do outside of government. So, for instance, if I talk about we have an issue with the, the dollar is going to blow up. I mean, it is a Ponzi scheme, and we're at the point right now where we don't even have fractional reserve banking. I mean, your bank may only have 2 to 3% deposits on hand. I mean, the money has gotten out of control. And if you study fiat currencies, 
in the history of the world, there have been 775 fiat currencies. All of them have failed. The average fiat currency only lasts for 35 years, and the United States dollar is at the very end state. So what I'm promoting with my campaign is the idea of, well, if you don't like the dollar, you don't like inflation, you don't like everything else, move into self-custody crypto, gold, and silver. And I'm launching as part of my campaign website tools that allow people to take action outside of the voting process. And so I'm doing that in a number of areas. So Aaron, with- Aaron Day, we're up against uh, the uh, hard break here. If people want to know more about you, where would they go? Uh, Day2024.com or uh, Aaron R. Day on Twitter. Putting the talk in news talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. And by the way, I want to warn you, there are two types of the, 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 the metals are beautiful. The ribbons are hung. One doesn't separate. So any woman who I'm giving the one metal to, please don't get angry with me if I mess up your hair. It is the Martha Zoller Show, and that's just creepy enough that I had to play it. He is giving these awards out, the president. And I know he thinks it's funny, but he says this thing of, don't get mad if I mess up your hair when I give you this award. Uh, didn't Harvey Weinstein, like, got thrown out of, of, of movies for making statements like that? Uh, didn't uh, Epstein? I mean, really, why is it okay for Joe Biden to say things like that? Ron Hart is here with me today. Uh, you know, the choices we have these days, Ron, it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I really... <laughs> I mean, it's just weird. He, he apparently has some fascination with people's hair. You know, it's just, it's just a weird deal. Because he like, doesn't have it, like, I guess. You know, I mean, Rush used to call him plugs because he yeah. was one of the early, <laughs> uh, the early, you know, hair people, you know, that, that yeah. got the hair res- restoration, whatever that's called. Yeah. I mean, his face, I mean, that's a pretty good plastic surgery. It looks pretty good for 80 some odd years old. Mine, when well, you forget about that. The mind is gone, but the body looks okay. I mean, he presents pretty well. <laughs> he looks marvelous. He looks marvelous. But anyway, exactly. all right. So I just got to ask you what you think because I, you know it started Friday afternoon with this whole idea of Trump's going to be indicted and people went crazy and everybody's commenting and I tell you what, um, uh, you know there were people that had the right approach to this and and I hope I'm in that group where I just didn't comment on it because. They were still doing witnesses. The thing's not over yet. There's deliberation that's got to happen. And now, it you know, the, the day has passed and nothing's happened. I just think it was a big hoo-ha on the media. Well, I think that shows you how bad government is. They thought they were cool doing it because they got the echo chamber of Democrats. Oh, good. Get him. Get him. Get him. Then they realized, you know, there's going to be pushback, right? It's going to make him stronger. And you know, realize this crime, supposedly crime, with Stormy Daniels was 2004. 2006. So this, 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 you're really hot on the case, you know, right now with this, you know, 2006 Stormy Daniels thing at this little celebrity golf tournament where she was kind of a, you know, stripper slash hooker there, and apparently had a, had a little encounter or whatever. So, I mean, the celebrity golf tournament that he was in in 2006, they did learn their lesson. They've since gone to mechanical ball washers instead. Of- <laughs> But yeah, I think there's a lesson in this for everybody. The main lesson is how how the ability of the Democrats to weaponize government against their opponents. So this is not a dangerous crime. That it's about some violation of the NDA. 
non-disclosure agreement to Stormy Daniels and he and, and all this other stuff like that. And that she got more money by going to the press versus the hundred thousand odds she got for being quiet. And, you know, if you can't trust a stripper hooker with a contract, I mean, who can you trust Martha? That's right. That's right. Look, here's the thing, and I love it how they keep, you know, comparing him with John Edwards because John Edwards actually did have to go to court for something like this because he was paying off this woman that had a a child out of wedlock for him, and um, uh, it didn't go anywhere. I mean, he was a very good lawyer, and he did not represent himself, which shows he's a good lawyer. But he nothing happened there. And the, the, the agencies that would be over this, which is the FEC and the feds, passed on it. So, really, this is just a district attorney in New York where they have got people that are afraid to walk down the street, but yet they think a crime, so-called crime, that happened in 2006 that had to do with money is more important. Right. There's no victim there. Where's the victim? I mean, the fundamental of the libertarian thinking on crime, there has to be a victim, not someone laying out like a, a fake soccer player, at, like he's trying to get a penalty call against him. A real victim, right? So let's, 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 let's focus on victim crimes. Here's a woman who got hundreds of some odd thousand dollars or whatever he paid her to be quiet. She didn't be quiet. They're, they're trying to find some sort of paperwork thing that it was wrong categorized on paperwork from a long time ago. I mean, he paid her to keep her mouth shut. Now, her best case, Martha, may be, you know, a stripper hooker where they have to keep her mouth shut. Her, her biggest case, I think, would be one of restraint of trade. <laughs> you know, I just think that we, we've got to move on, whether it's it's moving on from Joe Biden, moving on from Donald Trump. Uh, Ron DeSantis gave an interview yesterday where he came as close as he's come so far saying he might run for president. Um I don't know. What do you think as you look around? What are the things that you're thinking about as you look around at the landscape right now? Well, the, the column this week, or just, just finished the column this morning, I, I coined the term with DeSantis. I said, I'm a DeSantis man. It's the Trump policies in a palatable personality. Yeah. Right? Everybody likes Trump's policies. I think you get those in DeSantis, but, he, but he's not a narcissist. He's not like a, you know, awkward dude. Now, I wouldn't mind sending Trump back because I think the deep state is scared of him, and he may clean house. He may, a one-term president, I could imagine him as a lame-duck president, but what he would do, obviously, given Democrat alternatives, I would vote for Trump. I hope he – but I'm afraid he's going to win the nomination and not do well on the national level and we lose again. Yeah, and then what happens is somebody like Liz Cheney comes in as an independent that can, you know, some kind right. of – of third party. I mean, I kind of see like a 1992 uh, shaping up where you get somebody that comes in that could get 20% of the vote, and then that yeah. ends up with the Democrats winning again. And she'd love that to hurt Trump with that again. So I don't think she would come in on DeSantis, but she would with him. So that's when the party leaders have to be in control. Now, that, you know, it's a jungle primary, right? So anybody can run. The more egos in there, the more people that want to run, they're, they're getting the polling at 2% right down there with skim milk. And they'll stay in there. And 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 then they'll mess it up. You know, they'll they'll bifurcate all the votes, and he'll get you know thirty eight percent of the vote. And the next closest is thirty two, and he'll be the nominee again. And the question is, can you get behind someone like him again? Well, you and I, you know, because we know Washington, know we have to. But the average person who thinks he's icky, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's done some things that are just just untoward and and, and, and crass. But the, the women, especially women in the suburbs, the same ones that lost the election for us to the Senate. 
you know, a few months ago, the ones in the, in the suburbs who, who, who voted on abortion. The Republicans want to take abortion from you. They know, voted against it. I so. don't know if you've read um, uh, Bill Barr's book, uh, the former attorney general. And it's a really good read. I mean, he's a very interesting guy, smart guy. But the stuff about Trump is really interesting because even after he laid out all the advice that he gave to Trump and he and he's one of those guys that you can tell he completely gives it to you with no emotion. You know what I mean? He's just that kind right. of guy says this is how it is. He's a bureaucrat. He loved the Department of Justice. But he said at the end, he said, if the choice in 2024 is between a progressive and Donald Trump, even with all his flaws, he's voting for Donald Trump because he wants, you know, he wants conservative values to win. He believes conservative values are better for this country. That's what I tell people all the time. Even when I talk to mixed company groups, Democrats and Republicans, I say, look, I'm a Republican because I believe conservative values in general are better for the country, that it moves the country in the right direction. That's why I'm a Republican. It's not because I like somebody or worse. I yeah. love it's not, somebody. It's not a popularity. It's not prom yes. queen. It's not you know senior class president and prom queen. This is this is government. This is shirts and skins when they get there. And my Goldman Sachs buddies I work with, are, you know, East Coast liberals, West Coast liberals, are giving me a hard time about Herschel. I said, dude, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, look, he's not he's not going to be at the Stanford think tank. He's not going to be at the Hoover, Hoover think tank. But he's a reliable vote. And you guys are behind Fetterman. And you think that's okay? And you know, and I, I'm behind Herschel. It doesn't matter when you get up there, shirts and skins. You raise your hand. You do what McConnell tells you. You do what Schumer tells you. There's not. It's just not like you're the Algonquin Roundtable when you're up there really vetting out the issues and really talking them through. They don't do that. It's just they're told how to vote and they vote. <laughs> it's not that yeah. hard. Yeah, very. It's very simple. It's very simple. Listen. So, what are you working on for this week? What's the column? Yeah, I'm writing about the the Stormy Daniels thing, you know, the 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 you know all this stuff with Trump being such an old old case, and they're, you know they're just going after him politically. These Soros funded district attorneys are just jacking people around, and not so much the, the Trump. I think Americans need to worry about themselves. It just shows you what the January Sixth Committee will do. I, I talk about the Russian hoax, the January Sixth Committee really not that, that not being a big deal. Uh, the, 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 the COVID and how COVID masks, all this stuff like this. I said, you think about it in the last three years, conspiracy theorists were three, four, and non-conspiracy theorists were zero. <laughs> I mean, they're winning this up. <laughs> Everything that's supposed to be a conspiracy theory about, you know, Wuhan lab and all these things that are, oh, you're crazy. It came from bats. You, you're, you're just, you're just idiotic. Pretty much everything and, and that the government wants to get Trump. So all the things they said in the you know have been called conspiracy theorists turns out pretty doggone right. Ron Hart, you can go to RonaldHart.com and see more, and his columns are all over. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks, Martha. It's local radio, and that's why you're listening. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM five fifty and FM one oh two point nine WDUN. Joining me right now is Steve Moore and we haven't talked for a while, Steve. There's so much going on. I think this yeah. whole talk about indicting Trump was just a bunch of a ruse to show that the media was going to follow anything. I don't know. It just seems like it's not going to happen. But I'm more concerned about the economic position we're in. So welcome back. <laughs> Hi, Martha. Great to be back with you again. First of all, let me just say something because I feel so passionately about this uh, potential arrest of Donald Trump. I mean, this would be one of the most outrageous abuses of prosecutorial power where we're now becoming like a banana republic. And, and uh, 
and the left is going to uh, to arrest the political opposition, which is essentially what they're doing here. And remember, Martha, these are the same people for two years, for two the first two years that Donald Trump was president. All they talked about and pursued was the Russia collusion hoax. These are the same people who basically lied about you know Donald Trump's record. These are the same people who uh, incredibly uh, illegally um, uh, basically. Um, you know, that the, uh, essentially the uh, attack on his home yes. where, the, where they, you know, went after all his records. Uh, you know, these people should just say they're sorry to Donald Trump and, and leave him alone. Uh, and I don't know if they do this, Martha, I think it almost guarantees that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee because conservatives and Republicans across the country will be so angry about the Biden. And by the way, I thought this was a president. Remember, uh, Martha, he said, I'm going to be the president that unites America. Is this uniting us? Well, and and I will say the thing about it is that even independents are going to look at this and say this is a oh, bad for idea. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's look, I, I have my problems with Donald Trump and how he handles I himself and how he wastes yeah. so much time talking about who he's yeah. mad at instead of what yeah. he's going to do and, and, right, right. and all the other things. But with that said... You know, in fairness to him, from the minute he got into office, they were going after him. And yeah. and they did not treat him the way other presidents got treated. Now, I have yeah. a lot of issues with Donald Trump, but I have more issues with the fact my 401k exactly. has been flat for, you know, <laughs> there at, you go. at best. Right. I have more issues that, that my kids can't buy houses because the interest yep. rates have gone ridiculously high and um we've got a lot of problems economically and we got a a budget that we have to figure out how we're going to do things and look Rand paul is one of those guys that sometimes he hits it sometimes he doesn't but his idea of going back to the 2019 budget which we which would actually balance and then moving from there is not a bad one yeah and by the way that i've talked to Rand paul several times about this the whole idea here is to um, you know go to pr- back to the spending levels we had before the pandemic. You know we had an emergency, we had a crisis, we spent a lot of money. Okay, the crisis is over. It ended about a year and a half ago. So now is the time we go back to the uh, to the pre. Uh, you know, COVID spending 2019, and that would balance the budget. It's not that difficult. And I want to make sure that your listeners understand, Martha, that the reason we're looking at this banking crisis right now, and hopefully it's it's going to be contained, and I think it probably will, but it's put what's put incredible stress on the financial situation of these banks has been the massive increase in interest rates by the Fed. And they're going to raise rates again probably today by another quarter percentage points. But here's the thing that I think is, is, uh, is uh, you got to connect these dots. Why is the Fed raising interest rates? Oh, yeah, because inflation has shot up to between 6 and 9%. Okay, well, why did inflation go up? And you know the answer to this, uh, Martha. Inflation has gone through the roof because Joe Biden and his Democratic friends like Nancy Pelosi and others spent $6 trillion we didn't have. Right. So if we're going to solve our financial problem, we have to take a chainsaw to this federal budget. And we have to get – and by the way, uh, you know, I believe that Kevin McCarthy is exactly right, saying we are not going to pass a budget. We're not going to give you a unlimited credit card. You've got to come up with a plan with us to get on a on a path, a path to a balanced yeah, budget. Remember, I think remember that. That, with that fitness guru in the 90s stop the madness we need to stop yep. the madness um because <laughs> yeah. there, 
there are basic economic principles that people are ignoring yes. here. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican. There are yes. basic economic principles that need yes. to be followed. Uh, well put. And I, I think it's so important that people, you know, like, like, you know, only spending what you take in. Right? Right. That's a pretty basic principle. And we're borrowing on a, a trillion and a half dollars to two trillion dollars a year. So, you know, I, I'm with Kevin McCarthy on this. I think we need to get a deal from, you, you know, you, if we're going to give you more of a bigger credit, uh, you know, because right now we're at thirty two trillion dollars headed to 50 trillion if we don't change courses. Uh, and that 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 would be ruinous for our country financially. Um, I've got to tell you, Martha, because we haven't talked in the last few weeks. We're excited about what is happening in um, in the state capitol there, that we have a real chance in Georgia to get school choice. Uh, and I want to make sure that uh, Governor Kemp and all the Republicans, including the Speaker of the House, get behind this idea of letting the money follow the kids not the teachers' unions. This is a great opportunity. We've done it in Florida. We're going to do it in Texas. We're going to do it in Utah. We're going to do it in Idaho. Georgia, we're counting on Georgia to pass this. So I need your help on this, Martha. We've got to convince every Republican. Every Republican. Senate Bill 233 is the one one. that, that Steve is talking about. And you want to know why Florida is where it is today as far as becoming, you know, the kind of red state mecca? is because of the things that Jeb Bush started back in the day yeah. on education yeah. and that were completed by Governor Scott and Governor DeSantis. Yes. Yeah. And I'm told that the Speaker of the House in Georgia, is the is who's a Republican, John is Burns. opposing this. We need to put pressure on him, folks. I mean, this is important. Georgia, this is so important for minorities, for all the kids in Georgia to have opportunities. And if you're in a rural area and you like your school, you get to keep it. I don't, I mean, I don't want to sound like Barack Obama, but you, you can stay in the school you want. But, you know, for the failing school districts, the idea of letting parents, uh, you know, choose better schools for their kids would be an enormous benefit to the whole state. No, there's no doubt about that. And look, I'm on the State Board of Education um, at, for the ninth District, but I do yep. support school choice and I do support and I love what school systems have done to compete. I mean, many of yes. our school systems yes. have become charter systems where kids can yep. go to the school that provides the program they want. And so I do not believe that this makes schools less competitive. I think it makes public schools more more competitive. Yeah. And what's the old, remember the old ad, you know, like when, when insurance companies compete, you win, you know, competition is good in every other industry. It can work in education. And I've seen, you know, we've seen this in so many States. I've been out to Arizona, seen the charter schools there, and it's an amazing opportunity for kids of any income level Uh, and any skin color to get the best possible education for their kids. Yeah, I tell you what, I would I would honestly love to see us move on, get this passed, and then move on to healthcare yeah. next because we haven't had yeah. free markets in healthcare since Medicare was passed, and we need to get back to that. Yep, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The two industries with the most rapid inflation over the last thirty years have been healthcare and education. And those are the ones that are run by government. Maybe a little competition. And incidentally, if you send your kids to a a public school and you like that school, you know what? A little competition from charter schools and Catholic schools is going to make the schools better, all the schools better. No, you're absolutely right about that. And there's there's lots of data to back that up. I mean, years ago, there was a documentary called Waiting for Superman and what it was 
I'm sure you saw it back in the day, but it was basically followed some low-income kids that had the opportunity to go to charter schools, but it was done by a lottery where the kids had to sign up for the lottery and all of that. And it showed just how hard these kids worked to get into these schools. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well-educated your parents are. People know that what gets you ahead is a strong education and a knowledge of economics. It's not race that separates us, Steve. It's education and economics is what separates us. And we need to do a better job with young people on both of those in both of those areas. Yeah, you know, look, it's very simple. You know, we, we have too many and I'm from the Chicago area. You know, half the schools, the kids aren't even reading or math, doing math at, at grade school proficiency level, you know, and, and that's a tragedy. Uh, you know, what's the old line by the College Negro Fund? A, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. We need to make sure if we're going to compete with China and become, continue to be the world economic superpower, we, we need every child in America and every child in Georgia to have the best possible education they can get. No doubt about it. Steve Moore, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Martha. Have a great week ahead. Take care. To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com, and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.